Uh, good morning, everyone. If I've not had a chance to meet you, my name is Aaron. Uh, and uh, yeah, as Jake said, we are continuing on in our uh, Jesus-centered relationships series. And today we'll be talking about marriage. And so I want to start with a story about my first Christmas as a married man. Uh, Leanne and I, no kids, uh, seniors in college, and decided to try to do both sets of family. So I, I can't remember where we went first. Her family was in Topeka, Kansas. Mine was in Shenandoah, Iowa. And what I remember is we're in Shenandoah, and somehow I find out word that a bunch of my old high school buddies are going to get together. Now, you've got to keep in mind, this is like before Facebook, before cell phones. So I, I don't know how they got word to us. They probably like flew a pterodactyl over the house and dropped a message. <laughs> But we found out about it, so we uh, uh, put on our winter coats. It was just going to be a block up the road. So we walk up to the house, and it turns out a bunch of people showed up for this uh, uh, just hangout. And it was a lot of fun, just seeing friends, catching up. But what I remember particularly about the night is as I'm there, a couple of my friends who were both going to Iowa State uh, had just run into each other at a wedding. And uh, it was like the weekend before or something. And uh, so they start talking about it, and, and the one friend, uh, she starts complaining about the pastor's sermon. He used Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 33 as the text for his wedding sermon. It's kind of the parallel passage of what we're going to be seeing today. And in his sermon, he said to the bride that she is to submit to her husband. And my friend is just appalled that this pastor would have the audacity to use these ancient, out-of-date, misogynistic texts and tell her friend that she has to submit to this guy. Well, as I'm listening to this, a couple things go through my head. Like, first of all, this passage had never bothered me before. And I wondered, is it because I'm a guy? And I never even had to consider, like, oh, you know, what would it be like to have to submit? Was it because I was raised in a Christian home and was kind of taught to respect the scriptures? So if the Bible says it, okay, I guess we'll just go with that. Or was it because I had never really stopped to think about what this truly means in our modern day era of 1994, as well as back in Paul's day? I also received an education in that moment because I discovered just how controversial that word was as I could sense the anger coming off of my friend and the other friend who's having the conversation with her, he's just kind of stunned, like, I don't know what to say. And so he's just kind of like, yeah, I know. Wasn't that awful? Now, I tell that story because perhaps you have a similar feeling. Perhaps you have the same idea that this idea of submission is evil. It's cruel to tell women it's misogynistic. Well, the chances are you're going to hear something different today. What I hope you'll hear is that it isn't quite what our modern idea thinks, but also so often we focus on this idea of submit and we forget the call to the husband. And today I think you might hear that what the husband is called to is actually harder than what the wife is called to. To help you see it, I invite you to open up your Bible to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. Last week, we came back to the book of Colossians after having been away for, from, for several weeks. We'd studied uh, much of Colossians through 2022, uh, took a, a, a break there for a while through uh, Advent and 21 days of prayer, but then last week we came back to it. But as we came back to this book, 
I realized we were going to be seeing a lot of things about relationships. So that's why we gave our, our centered series a slight rebranding into Jesus-centered relationships. Now, last week was the fifth Sunday of the month. Anytime we have a fifth Sunday, we invite all of Kids Creek to come in and join us in here. And so it just made a lot of sense to skip verses 18 and 19, which we were ready for, and go to verses 20 and 21, because it was appropriate to talk to the kids and the parents as they were together. Well, that means we need to go back today and capture verses uh, 20, uh, I mean, sorry, verses 18 and 19. So if you don't have a Bible, we will be putting the scripture on the screen because we really want you to be able to read and study right along with us. But I just really encourage you, get a Bible into your own hands, whether it's a digital Bible on your phone, or if you want to go old school and get a paper copy, stop by our resource table on your way out. We would love to give a Bible to you and let that become your everyday Bible. We intentionally bought high quality Bibles that will last you for years. So please stop by and let us give you that gift. So as we get ready to uh, read in Colossians 3, uh, let's pray. So Heavenly Father, uh, we are about to come to uh, these words that were written way before any of us took our first breath on this earth. And uh, I strongly suspect they will still be here even after we have breathed our last. And so Father, we bring a lot of our own ideas from our culture, from the way we were raised, uh, just from so much of, of what is being said around us. And so I pray, Father, that you would crash through any of our biases, any of our uh, strongly held opinions to hear what you have to say. Because God, I truly believe that what you desire for us is what is best for us. And so I pray that you would help us to set aside any of these things, that we would patiently listen to you, to these scriptures. And so Father, I just pray for me, that you'd help me to say these things well, correctly, accurately, that I would say your truth, but it would be steeped in love because I believe you love us and you have something for us. So Father, for those that are, are wondering if they will be married someday or maybe have been uh, through a marriage and find themselves divorced, that there would be things that they would hear that would encourage them. For those that are currently married, that these words would help them to have a better marriage. And for those that find themselves struggling right now in a marriage, that they would hear what you call them to and that today might even give them some hope. So Lord, I pray that you would do in these people what you need to do, what you want to do for your glory and for their joy. It's in Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. So if you have your Bible open there, go to Colossians 3 and 18 and 19. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So there it is, wives. Submit. Husbands, love. There we go. We're done. No? Uh, okay, okay, I guess we'll, we'll jump into the mess. Last week when we were talking to the kids, I told them that they had this uh, scary word, obey. But then I, I helped them to realize that in the, the Greek, it really just means to listen in a way that spurs you into action. And it seemed to take a little bit of the scariness away. And so this week, wives, you see that scary word submit, and you're probably hoping that I'll say, oh, but in the Greek, it really means this. And then you'll be like, oh, good. So I don't have to submit. Sorry. The word means submit. But there are a few things about it that you need to know. The first thing I want you to notice is that he says there, wives, submit to your husband's. Right? Paul is not saying this as someone who's misogynistic and women are less. 
He's not saying this, that, that uh, like women are just above, like maybe at the level of slave or just above, and so therefore they have to submit to everyone. No, it's wives, submit to your husband. All right, so wives, the only man you are to be submitting to is your husband. It's not to other people's husbands. It's not to just men in general. It's to your husband. In fact, in, in Ephesians 5, the parallel passage, which we'll be in some today, Paul even makes it even clearer. He says, to your own husband. So, so that's where your submission is. This is not just a general, men are better, women must submit. No, this is a way that God has designed marriage for them to connect and for things to operate. And part of the woman's role in that marriage is to submit to her husband. So this means if you have a job and there's an authority over you, you obviously submit to them, but they're not controlling you. In, in fact, I'll even take it a step further. As the pastor of Riverwood, I realize I occupy a certain authority position. I, I work with the elders and we make decisions that affect all of us. Uh, I, I, I teach the scriptures to you every single week. And, and so I realize I have a little bit of a authority position. A, and yet, if you came to me and said, Aaron, I, I need some input on my job or parenting or in my marriage, I would happily sit down with you listen to you, ask some questions, and then try to take you to the scriptures and try to help you see what God has for you. But even as I assume that authority position, I do not have the right and the place to demand you do something. The only man you are to submit to is your husband. And so that means if you're not married there's no man, unless you're still living within your father's household, that you are to submit to. This is important because I've known some good Christian young women who in their dating relationship have felt that this is the guy they're going to marry. And so to be a good Christian woman, she begins to submit. And what can happen is she ends up missing some red flags because she feels like, oh, well, I've got to do this. And those are actually signs that, no, he's not the kind of man you need to be tied with. So until the moment you stand on that stage and you say, I do, I commit my life to you, you don't have to submit. Now, respect, show honor, show kindness, ask questions, seek to, to, to build the relationship. Because if he does become your husband, you're going to be in this relationship. But until that time, you don't have to do everything he tells you. But with that said, there is another thing I need to point out. It turns out in Greek literature, the, the word there that gets translated submit is sometimes used in a military connotation and a non-military. In military usage, you have to comply. This is a, a forced submission. However, when this word is used in a non-military use, it's very different. I uh, use the Net Bible uh, each week in, in some of my study. And they, uh, in their uh, uh, study notes, quoted a Greek lexicon and uh, were giving a definition, and it was in quotes. So I was trying to find the source, and so I found a different Greek lexicon that had almost the identical definition, but it 
also did not give the source. So I'm quoting from something that I do not know exactly what it is, but I trust the other two places. Here's what they say. In a non-military sense, the Greek word translated submit means this. A voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. Let me read that again. It is a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. So yes, it still means submit, but this is a voluntary thing. There is a willingness, a desire to cooperate, to say, I'm going to carry this burden with you of life, of parenting, of this marriage. It is this willingness to come in, to serve, and to submit. But I'll be honest. It's hard to do this. Because us guys don't lead perfectly. Most of you wives are going, yeah, Aaron, you didn't even need to say that. How do you submit to a guy who screws it up? And especially for some of you in a marriage where you as the woman are actually the one who's a little more intelligent. Or maybe you have the, the capacity of a broader bandwidth. Maybe you're the one who is a little more organized or just has a better sense on money. So why in the world would you, who in the eyes of the world is clearly the better, want to submit to that buffoon? People are still wondering that about my marriage. Okay, that joke didn't work. Uh, how do you do it? I think the answer, well, first, also, how do you do it? But also, I think, why would you do this? The answer is in the second phrase. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. In other words, your submission to your husband isn't really just about your husband. It's really about your relationship with Christ. That's where this is all about. How do you go about doing that, though? Well, Paul's already told us. If you remember, when we covered verses 12 through 17 of Colossians 3 in week 2, we heard what is it, what should a Jesus follower look like? So if you, as a wife, are a Jesus follower, you are to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are to bear with one another. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are to forgive each other if you have a complaint. And above all these things, put on love. And when you have love, when you have compassionate hearts, you will find the peace of Christ ruling in your heart and you'll be thankful. And then notice the very last thing he says there in verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. How do you serve and submit to this far from perfect man? You do it as to the Lord. That, that's why Paul, in the, the parallel passage in Ephesians 5, says it this way. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. 
Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, you may be saying, well, Aaron, that's not fair. The church can submit to Christ because Christ is perfect. But if you as a wife can learn to submit to this imperfect man, how much better and more easily can you then submit to your perfect heavenly father? What you may not realize is your marriage is only for this earth. Jesus says in Matthew 22 that marriage is just for this time. There is no marriage in heaven because I believe there's only one marriage in heaven between Christ and the church, which we read about in Revelation 21. And and so if there's that marriage, then your marriage is just for this time on earth. So that means your submission to your husband is just until one of you passes away. But your submission to your perfect heavenly father is eternal. And so part of your submission here is connecting you and helping you in following God forever. This is part of your worship. It's really not just about your husband. Because God knows he's not perfect. But when you said yes to marriage, you said, God, I will trust you in this moment to use this man in my life. I trust that you have arranged this, and I will fulfill my role in submitting to him. Now, last week I had to give a little caveat to the kids. And I find I have to do the same here. Because in Ephesians 5, we just heard, wives submit to your husbands in everything. And I have to point out the same thing I point out to the kids. That everything does not mean everything. Just as a kid cannot and should not obey their parent if the parent is forcing them to sin, likewise, you as a wife cannot and should not submit if your husband is trying to force you to sin. So if your husband is trying to make you lie on the taxes, you can't and shouldn't do it. If he is trying to get you to verbally or even physically abuse the children, you can't and shouldn't do it. If he tries to do, make you do things that are outside the realm of what God calls for us sexually, you can't and shouldn't do it. Because your submission to him is really about your submission to Christ. He is the one you first and foremost honor. And part of your honor to him is in the way you love this man. But most of you, I know you're married to great guys who do love Jesus and do love you. Yeah, they screw up. But can you seek to honor them, to respect them, to in a sense seek to submit to them because it's part of your role. Now, I alluded to it earlier, that as hard as it is to hear, oh, great, I have to submit, I actually believe that the role that God calls the man to is harder. So let's look at verse 19. Oh, I'm still in Ephesians 5. Let me go back. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Why in the world would he say, don't be harsh? I think he's trying to say, guys, she is not your slave. She is not your child. She's not your employee. She is your complete equal. God has put her in your life, and if she's a follower of Christ, 
then she understands that Christ died for her. So she's an image bearer. You are to honor her and love her. Do not be harsh with her. And if he, uh, Paul, who wrote these uh, words in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, says that in Christ, there is no Jew nor Greek, nor slave nor free, nor male nor female. In other words, they thought, oh, God's for the Jews. The, the, the Gentiles, the Greeks are out. Nope, Christ died for them. Oh, well, if you're free, you're better than the slave. Nope, Christ died for all of them. Likewise, in some cultures, oh, men are better than women. No, Christ died for all. So if Christ died for them, that's the kind of love he has for them, then do not be harsh with them. Instead of being harsh, you love now, over in Ephesians 5, he tells us how to love. He says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I often go through Ephesians 5 with couples when we do premarital counseling. And uh, when we come to this portion, I just simply look at the groom and I say, All right, so what are you sp- called to do? He's like, uh, I'm supposed to love my wife. Okay, right. And how are you supposed to do that? As Christ loved the church. Very good. And how did Christ show his love for the church? Uh, he gave himself up for her. Oh, yeah, very good. But what does that mean? Like he, he, they were having a wrestling match and he just kind of gave up and let her win. You know, they're playing a game and he, he you know, threw the game so that she could, uh, uh, you know, be better. No, it, it means that he gave up himself for her. He died. So congratulations, husbands. You do not need to submit. You need to die. Now, this does not mean that you guys this afternoon need to go and commit suicide. This means you need to die to yourself. You die to your dreams, your wishes, your wants, in order to put her first. Jesus Christ had no sin. Therefore, he did not need to pay the penalty of sin, which was death. However, he loved us so much, he knew we needed to pay the penalty. But if we pay the penalty, we're eternally separated from God. And so he came, put us first, and died for us so that our sin could be paid for, justice could be served, and we could be redeemed. Guys, that's what you were called to. So yeah, it's, it's hard to submit. But honestly, it's easier to submit. Th- think about it. Many of you, you, you work jobs. So you have a boss. I realize some of you, maybe you are the boss or maybe you're, you know, you're retired or unemployed, but you, most of you have had a job. So you've had a, a boss, an authority. Now you know when that boss, do I need to change something? Am I, no, okay. All right, sorry everyone for the, the distractions. I'm not sure what's going on. We were having Kids Creek IT problems. Now we're having IT problems in here. Uh, you gotta love technology. Thankfully, uh, the gospel can go forth whether mics work or not. Uh, but think about a job. If your boss tells you to do something and you don't think this is a good idea, you don't, you don't like it, you don't wanna do it, you still do it. But you know that if the higher-ups come in and say, wait a second, why are you doing this? You can kind of shrug your shoulders and go, well, I didn't think this was a good idea, but they're the boss. Because you know it's going to fall on them. And so, yeah, you may not want to do it. You may not like it, but you can kind of shrug and go, well, they're the boss. 
but when you are having to die to yourself, you can't just go, well, you're constantly putting them first. It's all about them. Husbands, this is what you are called to. You are called to die to yourself and put her first in all things. It's, it's Philippians 2, 3 and 4. It tells us that in humility, we are to consider the needs of others before our own. We are to do that for one another as followers of Jesus, but especially within the marriage. And guys, I'm going to tell you, if you do this, if you die to yourself, she's going to have no problem submitting to you. Because she's going to see your heart for her, your dedication, your sacrifice. She's going to know you're for her. So she will happily partner with you, cooperate, bear these burdens with you. You guys are a team because she sees what you're doing. But just as for the wife, for her to do this submission to this imperfect guy, she has to keep her eyes on Christ. The guy, if he's going to die to himself, he's going to have to keep his eyes on Christ. It is hard to die to yourself day in and day out. So you keep your eyes on Jesus, the one who loved the church so much, he gave himself up for her. It was, it's all about us. So husbands, if you want to have the kind of marriage that, that, that the world would love to have, if you want your wife singing your praises on Instagram, then die to yourself. Put her first. And you'll suddenly find yourself with the marriage you always wanted and longed for. Now, I realize that some of you listening to this, you're not married. I'm actually glad, though, that you're getting to hear this. I, I want you to know that this season you're in, God is working. So if, if you're not married, th then seek Christ. Because if God changes that season and he, he puts you into a marriage, you, you now have had a head start of, of kind of what is you are being called to and how you can honor Christ in this. But don't feel like you have to get married in order to, like, be better. No, you, you are fine how you are. In fact, there are some advantages to being single as far as your devotion to Christ. So, so being married is great. Being single is great. But if you're called into this marriage... Realize what you were called to. There, there is sacrifice here of seeking to put this other person first and truly seeking to love them. But I also realize some of you listening to this, you might find yourself right now and your marriage isn't exactly what you wanted it to be. Maybe you're just roommates, kind of passing like ships in the night. Maybe there's like friendship, cooperation, but, but there's just a lack of intimacy. Maybe there's even some animosity. Some things have happened and, and you're carrying these things. So what do you do? The first thing I think you should do is pray. I realize we're in church and you're thinking like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Pastor has to include that. But I'm not just like tacking it on and then, you know, we'll move on to the better things. I honestly think the first thing you should do is pray and pray hard. Because God created marriage. It's from the very beginning. He creates Adam, and then he creates Eve, and he puts the two together. So it's, it's from the very beginning. So God is for this. 
Because marriage is a reflection of him. We worship a triune God. One God, completely united in, in, in these three persons. And yet, if you're married, you have two individuals, and you are completely brought together, and you become one flesh. Not only do we see that in children, but you, you can kind of feel it and see it in the heart. And so marriage reflects him and his character. It also reflects the gospel. If, if a husband is to be dying to himself for the sake of his wife, it's pointing right back to Jesus who, who died himself for the sake of the church. And so it points to the gospel. It points to the triune Godhead. So God is passionate about marriage. So he wants you to have a beautiful, glorious marriage. So pray. Pray your face off. But don't just pray for the marriage to be changed by having your spouse changed. Pray for your marriage to change because God is changing you. Guys, if you say to your wife, you must submit to me, you're doing it wrong. She is to do this voluntarily. If she sees you dying to yourself, it will be far easier for her. But may you never utter those words to her. You let God call her to that. You, in a set, instead, ask God to help you die. Because that's hard. But it means, for some of you, you might need to die to yourself by saying yes to going to marriage counseling. Some of you, you might die to yourself by needing to figure out how to change your schedule. Some of you, you might need to die to yourself by giving up a certain hobby or certain activities. Some of you, you need to just die to yourself by doing the hard thing. Because she's worth it. Christ died for her. So die to yourself for her sake. Now wives, your husband's called to something hard. And many of us were too much like Adam. Adam, the original man, I believe was standing right there as Eve is having the conversation with the serpent. Genesis 3 says that as this conversation is taking place, Eve takes the fruit, saw that it was good, ate it, and turned to her husband, and he ate too. That makes me think he's standing right there, and he's just listening. That's why Paul, in, at the end of 1 Timothy, says that uh, the, the, the Eve was deceived, but Adam wasn't. Adam knew what was going on, and yet he stayed silent. Guys, we stay silent too long. We're too afraid trying to protect our own reputation. We're too afraid of our own emotions. We're too afraid to be exposed to this woman that we're having a one-flesh relationship with. So wives, you're going to need to be patient, but you're also probably going to need some support. Us guys, we go AWOL. We're away without leaving. We're present physically. We're gone emotionally. If all you do is you try and nag and nag and nag to get us back, it's probably going to push us away. Instead, figure out the ways to show love and respect in Ephesians 5.33, Paul ends this little section on marriage by saying, so therefore, why, husbands love your wives and wives respect your husbands. It's because your husband 
needs to know that you respect him. Now, I realize he may be doing things right now that don't deserve your respect. But when you stood on a stage in front of a pastor or a priest or a judge, committing your life to them, you're saying, you've earned it. So it's hard. It is so hard. Find a way to show that you respect him. You may not even have to necessarily agree with everything he's doing and saying, but figure out the ways to compliment him, to show respect, to seek to submit. Because again, this isn't just about him. This is ultimately about your relationship with the Father. So if you need to, find another woman or two to pray together. Like, don't, don't make this the, the issue of gossip. Don't trash your husband. But just find one person who will listen to you, pray with you, and encourage you to do the hard thing and continuing to submit to this guy who maybe right now isn't leaving, dying to himself for your sake. The key, though, is don't focus on changing them. Ask God to change you. And ask that he, as he changes you, then he would change your marriage. But whether you're a husband or a wife in this difficult marriage, don't give up. Even if they are not doing their role, you seek to honor God and do yours as hard as it is. Because that's what Christ did for us. If Romans 5 says that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you do this, whether he's doing it or not, whether she's doing it or not. That, that, that while we were still focused on ourselves, Christ put the, his focus on us to do for us what needed to take place. So you, keep your eyes on Christ, asking him to work through you to make your marriage everything it can be. I am not going to lie to you and say that it'll just magically be changed. All I can say is that you might just see God work in you and it might change your marriage. And I will pray it will change your marriage. But even if it doesn't and this marriage absolutely crumbles apart, your relationship with God will be closer than ever before. And you will see him work in you and through you because he will never be done with you. So wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting into the Lord. But husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church. and Do not be harsh with them. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for what Jesus did for us, how he models for us in these hard things. Because God, it is so difficult to submit and to die to self. And yet you, Jesus, did exactly that. That because of your love for us, you submitted yourself to even death on a cross, as embarrassing as that was, so that you might give us life and create this church and we will one day be united completely and fully with you. And so God, I pray that the marriages within the Riverwood family would reflect that. That these would be marriages where there is joy and satisfaction, and there would be blessing just pouring out of them upon children and upon friends, upon co-workers, upon extended family. But God, some of us were struggling. So I pray that you would help them to do their role even when their partner is not fulfilling theirs. Would you give them the courage and the guts, the strength that can only be found in your Holy Spirit, May they, in their moments of weakness, find your strength. 
May we as a church be able to come around them and support them and love them. God, I pray for the guys that they would step up, do what you call them to do. Lord, it is so hard to follow your example, to die to yourself. I pray you'd help us as men to do just that so that our wives would find such joy. God, I pray for the wives. I pray you'd help them to respect their husbands, to love them, and to be willing to submit. God, we are such broken and imperfect people, and we screw these things up so much. That is why I pray that you would help us to really keep our eyes centered on you, that as we fulfill these roles within marriage, we'd find it's really about our relationship with Christ. That any of our submission, any of our dying to self, is really about what you have already done and what you call us to do. So, Father, as we go to the communion tables, we come as broken and imperfect people. We come because of who Jesus is and what he did. We come to remember his submission, his dying to self. We come also to celebrate because even when he was in the tomb, the story was not done. There was a resurrection awaiting I pray, Father, you would give us that same kind of hope that those of us who are in a difficult marriage, that we would find hope. We would realize you can resurrect this thing. For those who may think that they'll never get to be married, whether for the first time or again, that they would instead seek you and trust you and realize you can work in them and, and raise them up to the life you call them to live. I pray for uh, those of us who have friends family who right now are struggling in a marriage, that we might be able to encourage them, that we'd be able to see you work in their lives, that you would call them to this Christ-like way of living within a marriage. But God, I just pray that you would help us to see that ultimately the marriage that matters most is our, is our tie to you. Jesus, you gave it all so that we could be united with our Heavenly Father with the triune God. And so that's why I pray in these next moments you would minister to us. May you whisper to us through your Holy Spirit, whether you use the lyrics of a song or maybe something from the, the sermon or another passage of Scripture, that you would speak these things to us, that we would sense you with us, your love for us, and that we would find that no matter what, where we are in life, that we can at least have joy because we are tied to you. So Lord, I pray for anyone here that has never given their life to you. They have not been united to you. I pray that you would help them see your love for them. That you willingly, Jesus, voluntarily went to the cross to die for their sins. And because of that, they can come to you. I pray that today would be their spiritual birthday. Kind of like their wedding day, as they are united to you. So God, would you use these next moments to give us hope, to give us healing, to give us encouragement? Do now what you need to, God, as we go to these elements in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
anytime during this next song, if you are a follower of Jesus, I invite you to the communion tables on either side. As you take those and bring those back to your seat, remember that that bread represents Jesus' body, which was broken on that cross, that that cup represents his blood, which was shed for the forgiveness of your sin. If you are a first-time guest with us and you know this story, this story is a part of you, this is the center of who you are, we invite you to come. If you are a first-time guest, though, and, and you are not a follower of Jesus, I just want you to know I'm so grateful you're here. I hope that something you heard in this message helped you hear the love of God for you. But we're just going to ask that you very respectfully not go to these elements. No one here is going to judge you and think less of you. Some of us in this room, we're where you are at right now. But when you come to these elements, you're declaring the gospel. You're saying that Jesus' death on a cross and his resurrection out of a tomb was done for you and the world. And so by taking those elements into you, you're saying this story is a part of you. And if that's not you yet, we don't want you to be a liar. Because, you see, we're not trying to keep something from you. We just think there's something better for you. I'd encourage you, rather than go to these elements, spend the time during the song praying, asking God if this whole thing is true. Did Jesus really go to a cross and die for your sins? Did he really rise again from the dead? And does he extend his hand out to you and ask you to come and be united to him? If it's true, would you take that time to pray? Confess your sin, give your life to Jesus, and let today become a significant day. But if you're not there yet, hey, you're welcome to come back next Sunday and as many Sundays as you want. We'll just continue to tell you all about this Jesus. But if this is you, you know this story, would you come? Would you come and celebrate the one who gave his life for you? Would you do this now in remembrance of him?